Hello and welcome to The Leaderverse with your hosts, Drew Lee, Lucas Sheradin, and me, Jesse Button. As a leader, how would you rate your awareness intelligence? Like, how is your ability to see problems for what they really are and take ownership when the problem is you? <laughs> Do you experience life as something happening to you? Or are you aware of your contribution in every situation? All that and more on The Leaderverse. I've been told by people that I really respect a lot that mentor me that you'll never make money or hit your financial goals by writing books, doing podcasts, speaking engagements, TEDx talks, and what have you. And it, and it just was told to me a couple of weeks ago by somebody that I, I totally respect their perspective. It's just like, well, why not? You know, we, we the three of us have huge aspirations for impact and for wealth building and to take care of our families at a high level. And I don't do it for that reason, but why can't we have both and? And I think that that kind of goes into some of the limiting beliefs we have is it's either that we have this or we have that. Either we have you know, finances and a job we hate, or we do something we totally love and are shaking a can underneath the bridge for handouts. Why, why not? And I think that that's a big deal. So I'm kind of curious though, this is this, run into this and just working on my own project and thinking when we, when somebody is an emotional tilt and they're emotionally committed to their limiting beliefs, their, their current story, what are effective strategies? And Drew, you coach, Jesse, your mindset guru, how do we coach somebody? Because when they're in the middle of an emotional tilt, when they are, they're just, I think what we hear, the words that they use is like, well, I'm just speaking my mind and I get it. Or I'm just telling the truth. I'm telling it the way that it is. And it's that is completely true to that person. And I don't disrespect that. However, in those emotional tilt moments, we often will say things, do things, behave in ways that actually destroys our path destroys our vision. And I'm going to guess, well, I'm not so sure about Jesse. She might be pristine, but I know me and Drew, we've been in scenarios where we probably said things at a bad time because of emotions and we called it the way that we saw it. And it really didn't help us get to our vision. So how do we really effectively help somebody when they're in the midst of their story, their limiting belief, and they're very emotionally committed to it? How do we help them get out of that? Because it may, it's the mountain is you by Brianna Wist. It's they begin self-sabotaging behavior that destroys them. It happens in marriage. It happens in parenting. It happens in business. So Jesse, I'm going to start with you. Let Drew pack his punch because I can see his wheels turning. <laughs> what do you find is like actually works? Not something you read in a book that's airy fairy crap or, and, and honestly, I'm very aware that some people may need to go through therapy to dislodge their story because they're so traumatized by their past. They can't help themselves when they get triggered. It's going to go from zero to 10 and they're not thinking they're an autopilot. So mm -hmm. what do you find as a coach? So sim simplify the, simplify the question first, if we could. How do you help? How do you help somebody out of emotional tilt? Yes. Ah, uh, my friend, Usa first, like. Usa. Is that, so is, is his name that means, so I'm doing the, <laughs> for the podcast, I'm doing the, the meditation hands, right? So when someone's in full tilt, this, and they're, like you said, emotionally connected to, uh, to their situation that they can't so much, so they can't see it. Uh, they don't know what's going on. We just need to figure out, help them figure out what's going on. And that's therapy time. It is. You really, they, if they're in full emotional tilt, they need somebody to listen. That's step one. 
go, Drew, you get on a call with me. I'm a, a business leader and something just, I went sideways with somebody on my team and I'm right, 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 and I'm just all in it and they're wrong. The situation's wrong. And you could spot it that the problem isn't the age the problem is how I'm approaching it. How do you help me? Well, one is, you know, emotions aren't logical. They're illogical. You know, they don't necessarily have to have rhyme nor reason. Um, that's why I'm sure everyone that's listening has heard at some point in time, you know, logic makes you think emotions make you act, but emotions aren't necessarily logical emotions. You know, you, have you ever been attracted or in, you know, air quotes, love with the absolute wrong person, or you weren't really even, you know, in love with them. It's like, you know, kids, teenagers, it's like, cool. I'm sure glad that was infatuation or something else. That didn't lead to you know matrimony or, or further down the road because it was just emotion right it wasn't necessarily a logical conclusion and the first thing you've got to you got to stop and pause is and the question i would ask you is okay before we go any further is is this a reaction or is this a response and how do you know which one you're currently in love that because a response has gone through both sides you've had your emotion charged up you know down you've 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 had your emotion engaged and you also had your logical side of your brain engaged so you know a reaction typically is emotional a response has gone full circle i've i've, I've emotionally reacted now i have a chance to rationalize think about it and decide okay what I think is going to be the best choice. And, and everyone on here has heard, hey, you know, count to 10. Don't do anything from an emotional state, right? Don't sell anything. Don't buy anything. It can, it can, and that, and there's no necessarily timeline or there's no necessary timeline for how long it's going to last. I love that. So if I'm hearing both of you, number one, Jesse is the, the take a breath, get, get yeah. perspective. And and what have you, and then Drew, yours is just asking the the person that you're coaching, you're leading, is this a reaction? Is this a response? Response is looking at all sides. Reacting is just doing that, and don't don't do this out of emotion. So, yeah, what else would you just, say? Don't, don't just respond out of emotion. You know, all transformation starts with awareness. You got to be aware or help that person realize that they are in tilt. Yeah, I'm kind of on a campaign with this, Drew, because I do, I do think we need to raise awareness intelligence. I, I really, I, I've been, we talked about it on our last podcast that I think this is just my hallucination, at least it's my story that I'm making up. However, I do think that there is a serious lack of awareness intelligence to where it's, I authentically think it's Drew's fault that I'm so mad, or it's Jesse's fault that I'm so upset, or it's the market's fault, or it's something in business. And I am not aware that it actually has very little to do with what Drew just did, has everything to do with my complete history for 56 years up to this moment in time. And that is actually causing the reaction. It's like, react. even those words you used, Drew, are brilliant because respond is responsibility react means i did the yes. act again that just came at me so i re reenacted what you just did and so i i think that that distinction is really really powerful so we we work with i work with a guy that that has a leadership pyramid ben kenny that says you know you lead yourself first then you lead others so here's the million dollar question that one was the easy one that was the layup question how do you coach yourself 
how do you how do you bring awareness to okay i am like i'm fully emotionally committed to the fact that this situation's wrong or this politician's awful or um drew is this or that my coach is this or that how do i effectively put into mechanisms and tools into my life that i stop the stop the train at the top of the mountain before it starts snowballing down the mountain so jesse let's go with you first how do you coach yourself yeah this yeah the self coach Gosh, it's hard to look in the mirror. It's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult every single time. And I'm not talking about how I look. I think I look great. And the big question that I ask myself is the Taylor Swift song right now is, am, am I the problem? Like, is, is the prop is the problem me? And when it's just myself in the mirror, it's a safe place to, to, to do this. And so I don't know, man. It's self-coaching is easy because I'm grossly introspective. I think I have a, on, on your scale of awareness, intelligence, I know I've got a pretty high one. And I think it's because of that question. Am I the problem? Oh, crap. Can, can, I, can I push you on this though, Jesse? Please. I, I will take a bet that if we did this on Facebook live, which is coming soon, that if we did a poll right now on Facebook, how many of you believe you score high on emotional awareness? Everybody's going to say that there are nine or 10, because here's the thing. We're so close to ourselves that we, we're so committed to how we operate that we don't, we're blind. We're nose blind to ourselves. And so for the people out there who are convinced, and you may be right, I, I don't know, but for the people who are convinced that they're very, very aware, and they're very, very in touch with their stories, how would you coach them? Because they may be blind. And how... And I'm not asking this just in my coaching and leadership thing. I'm asking this just how do I do it for me? How do I? Uh, right now, I'm reading a book, Drew. You may have read it by Anthony DeMello called Awareness. And it's, uh, he was a Jesuit priest that was also a psychiatrist. And so it's a, a fascinating combination of uh, Christianity, Catholicism, and um, sci the science of psychiatry. And he just beats the crud out of people that you're just not aware. Wake up, wake up, wake up. You're not even, you're, you're going through autopilot. You're going through life. So, so Drew, how, how would you coach me to coach myself on this deal, buddy? <laughs> it's, a, it's an ongoing conversation, right? Because, you know, we could arguably say every single person would say, is the problem me? And the resounding answer is always going to be yes. Right. Because I'm the only one that can change the outcome. That's right. If I put anything external, a coach, a great coach used to do this exercise with me. She would say, you know, pick up a pen or a pencil. And she would just say, hold it in the air and then let it drop. What happened? And we can do this. Anybody that's listening, just grab a pencil, grab a pen, hold it up the air and let it go. We got a spoon. The spoon works. What happened? It dropped. It, it fell. See, and that's the way the majority of people, most people describe the world as if it's happening to them. There's mm -hmm. zero ownership in what just occurred. The spoon dropped, the pen dropped, it fell. Are you describing your world like it's happening to you oh, or that you own the DNA in this? <laughs> I because wasn't expecting that's the way, that. So, so it's like... <laughs> How you describe the experience, you know, how you describe your experience of the world is your experience of the world. That's right. You know, right. Viktor Frankl, when he wrote Man's Search for Meaning, he wrote them under, you know, he wrote it in his mind under the worst conditions imaginable. But where he discovered his freedom and his freedom to think 
his freedom to choose his emotions, his freedom existed in his mind. And see where, where, when somebody is in tilt, one, we've got to establish, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because one, at least tells us we're six feet above ground, not below. There's that. Yeah. I read a book years ago by uh, Dr. David Hawkins, and he describes that there's a multitude of energy or energetic fields that exist in the universe today, and that our emotions have an energetic, call it an energetic um, signature. Sig- there, that's a great word. Our our emotions have an energy. Our our emotions have an energetic signature or they have a certain uh, frequency. You know, if you listen to the radio and you're listening to one station and it's Christian rock and you listen to another and it's heavy metal, right? It's still all on the same radio where they're operating at different frequencies. They're projecting at different nice. frequencies. And and if you, if you think of like the lowest frequency we can operate off of is apathy, resignation, where we've just given up, you know? Like if a dog is resigned, it like slumps on the ground, it slinks, it's, it's got his head down. It's like, if you've given up, you eventually have no life force left. Anger is one step above that. So it's at least better. It's yeah. a more resourceful state. Now, none of these are good or bad. It's a more resourceful state of being. It's a, it's a higher vibration or frequency than being apathetic or resigned or giving up or, or some people call it victim mentality. Right. Well, what's above that responsibility and nothing happens to, until you at least own that all things are really meaningless. Humans create meaning associated with those things. So is, is the world happening to you? Or are you creating your experience of it? And it comes with how you describe it. So if I drop a pen and until I say I dropped the pen, yeah. now I'm standing at responsibility or at cause. So how do you get someone to so good. change that? You've got to get them to cause and realize if you're describing a world like it's happening to you, which is the effect or you were describing a world like it's like you're in charge of it, responsible for it, because that's the only way you can ever move to a more empowering or a more desirable state. Well, and I think really, you just number one, brilliant answer. But number two, I think that the the I I think when we understand that life is happening for us, not to us, when we understand that we're our personal agency, when we go back to cause. Then we're, we're two things. Number one, the world potentially is a scary place because now I'm cause, <laughs> not effect. I dropped the pin. It the pin didn't fall. I dropped the pin. And so if I go back to cause, number two, though, it gives me ultimate responsibility that nobody now is in charge of my emotions. Nobody now is in charge of my reactions. Nobody now is in charge of why I burst out. Nobody now is in charge of why my bank account looks the way it is. I am. And I, and when I'm completely responsible, hundred percent responsible, this is a big deal. And I think leaders have to learn how to lead themselves first and then lead others by breaking our stories, breaking that. And here's the other thing, Drew, I heard you say there too. And this is a big deal. I hope people put, put a pin in this thought is most of us, when we have an emotional reaction, we will go to the argument of, well, I was right. It's not about right or wrong in this instance. It's about what empowers your vision and what disempowers your vision. You could be right. And by the way, when I'm mad or upset or I'm discouraged or I resign, 
Those are true emotions. There's nothing untrue mm-hmm. about that. So I am right. The question is, does that serve me or does that not serve me? And that I wish every leader would get that question, Jesse, is like, yes, you may be right. However, does it serve you and your vision and your people? And if it doesn't, stop it. (laughs) The old Bob Newhart video, stop it. Stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm making light of a very difficult situation because especially if somebody's been traumatized. My gosh, I just had somebody do an origin story, and I don't want to go into too much detail because I want to be real respectful of my parents who my mom and dad were wonderful people. But there was a a time when I did something that for me as a teenager was the greatest accomplishment of my entire life up to that point in time. And instead of being celebrated, there was got picked at it. There was something that was brought out that was kind of a side subject, and it got... And I'm thinking to myself, is like, oh my gosh, how did that tr- transform the way that I view affirmation and I view getting my need for significance met and approval and what have you? And it's just like, wow, that undealt with trauma has probably been at the source of many bad decisions in my life. <laughs> and, it, and it just, at 56, hello, hello, Lucas, welcome to yourself, right? And so I, I would encourage people, number one, deal with the trauma in your life, deal with the stories that you have going on. It's not your conscious thoughts that usually hurt you. It's your subconscious thoughts that come to your conscious, then that you justify by making everybody else wrong and, and justifying your rightness, which you're probably right. It's just not serving you. Mm-hmm. And and number two, I love what you just, where you both walked us through is like, I, I think what, one of the things I am developing, Jesse, it's kind of interesting in this this book project I'm working on is Here's a list of questions that's an actual tool that when you're in tilt, consider these five questions. Consider these four questions. Are you aware? And where is your story in this? And what's your relationship to reality? What's your relationship to your own story? Just by putting a spotlight off of the external and the internal, because I'm not, Drew, I'm kind of curious about something. It's it's not about outcomes. It's about income. It's not income, but whatever the word is. It's not, yeah, it's it's about not just what happened, the pen dropped, it's the internal reality of what went on inside of me to let go of it. And I need to be aware. I let go of it because Drew Lee told me to let go of it. So I abdicated my power. I didn't decide. I did it yes. because you told me. Right. And that's, you know, that's the fascinating part. That is the way exactly many people describe their current reality, not only as if the pen fell, but it's, well, Drew to- told me to drop it. It's Drew's fault the pen fell. So not only is there no ownership in like, it didn't fall. I dropped it. It was a complete, almost double negative or, or a double blame of, well, you told me, so it fell. Yeah. And I I think this is where I, I realized that so much of my life, it's like, I've abdicated my power because somebody else told me to do X, Y, and Z. So I did X, Y, and Z and it didn't work out. The, the opposite of that's true too is I succeeded because somebody told me to do X, Y, and Z. So I'm not empowered to take my own credit for my own success and feel good about it. And so I just never abdicate your power. I think that that's what I'm hearing here is like I maintain personal agency, full responsibility. And when I'm in emotional tilt, realize it's not, I don't see the world as it is. I see the world as I am. Mm-hmm. I, I maybe medicate on that statement for a little bit. I don't see the world as it is. I see the world as I am. And when I'm aware that that is the way it is, then truth is a, is a pretty subjective thing. It's true for me. 
And what do I decide at that moment? Because I, I, I really do believe most people are not living their life by decision. They're living their life on autopilot. They're living their life based upon their programming and they're living their life based upon their preferences. And that's okay. I mean, I'm glad when I drove here to the office today, there was a lot of autopilot going on. You know, I wasn't thinking cognitively about how much pressure on the gas pedal or the pressure on the steering wheel. And I was doing a thousand things at once without consciously thinking about it. That's autopilot. It's just bad when we're le leading off of autopilot. I, I was thinking yesterday we were on, a, I was on a call. I think Drew, you were probably on the call too. And somebody was talking about Steve Jobs. And I'm really thankful that visionaries don't live their life on autopilot. They see a reality that's not really real before anybody else sees that reality. And then they, despite all odds, despite what everybody else is saying, despite what information, they start with reality and then they go look for evidence to support that their vision can happen instead of start with their story, look for evidence that their opinion is right. And then they're subject to whatever reality shows up. That's leadership, isn't it? We create realities in advance. It's a really good way to look at it. But in order to create that reality in advance, you just got to see what's the desired outcome and ultimately what's your contribution to it. Yeah. Can you imagine? I Think about this. Go back to, Drew, when did you graduate from high school? 1993. Well, actually, remember, I'm a GED guy. Good enough diploma. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So you good enough to 93. So we're going to go to him, Jesse, because I know you probably graduated in like 2020 or something like that. I'm, so. I'm a 99. <laughs> Thank you very much. And so 93, were there cell phones, Drew? Were there, uh, no. Well, Except for the big bag phones in the cars. I don't, think, I don't. Yeah, I was gonna say I, they had been they had been invented. However, they were not. Uh, they were not Gordon, accessible. Gordon Gecko on Wall Street with the brick in his ear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had he had one. Yeah, it was only the multi billionaire. So, can you imagine this? You're some punk out of college in a garage. Would you have ever imagined putting a phone in the hands of every person that would also be an internet browser? Would be a music player? Would be a camera? Would be a GPS? Who thinks of that stuff? Yeah. Leaders do because reality would not support, you know, current reality wouldn't support vision. That's why I think it's really important for leaders to learn how to self-regulate because if you are a visionary and you have a picture of a preferred future and you're a Steve Jobs sitting in a garage right now and flip-flops and you say, I have this idea of having a phone that doubles as an internet browser, that doubles as a GPS, that doubles as a camera, as a music player, on and on and on and on, and the world has no evidence to support that that's even possible, you are going to have to reinvent yourself a thousand times to get there because everything inside you emotionally is going to scream out, impossible, back off, Barbie. It's not going to work. Yeah. Mm. And that's why yeah, I think that exactly this right. is so key in leadership, that if we could lead ourselves, we could. And here's here's what I've discovered, Drew, and you tell me if, what you think about this. When I am in judgment and committed to my story, there is only one possibility that exists, and it's my opinion. Okay. When I'm curious and I can realize it's just a story, then and I ask myself a trigger question, what else could this be? And I ask myself those kind of questions, then it's unlimited the possibilities that could be created. So judgment, one opinion, you're singular. When you are in curiosity, unlimited possibilities that I could create anything out of this one instance. I was I was watching um, Netflix Arnold Schwarzenegger's documentary. Did you guys see that? A little bit of it, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was his body double in much of that, 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 uh, <laughs> that thing, the workout that, that videos. That was the later episodes, right? 
actually the later episodes when he's an old man he's outlifting me dude he's but what i thought was fascinating is at the end of it arnold gets real personal talks about his brother and talks about their upbringing and kind of a, a abusive type of upbringing and arnold goes you know why i succeeded as a bodybuilder an actor and in government is because i had an abusive father mm. but the same incident his brother committed suicide same trauma two different responses to the trauma. And what I want to tell every leader that's listening and, and just even Lucas tell, talking to Lucas, content shows up in life. The context I put around that content is everything. Great leaders put context around whatever content and the context they put around that content causes them to succeed at high levels or causes them not to. Mm -hmm. You choose. That's kind of my thought. It's almost like it's the same reaction, two sides of the same coin. You know, they're both extreme and, ah. and Arnold, Arnold beat himself up body, mind, and spirit for his entire life. Yeah. Right. Mm. Not say that. Yeah, there's, there's a realization that, you know, things that happen around us, things that happen to us, um, ultimately the words we use to describe the world we live in, it creates the world we live in. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I'm geeking out right now, Drew, on that subject. It's narrative psychology. And, and man, I am geeking out. And in the coaching world, contextual reframes, those are the two things that I am totally geeking out is how how do I, and I used to like be so uh, dismissive of language. It's just words. It's just, man, words are everything, especially the words that the chatter that's going on inside of my head that's like cray cray. And, uh, by the way, I've made peace with the fact I'm not going to control that machine. So stop trying to. It, it's just no, I'm going to be, you, I'm going to be with it, be aware also, of it. You know, Jesse and I had this really cool conversation last week. Of course you did, because I wasn't here. Yeah. I, I <laughs> <laughs> but you got to recognize that there's another person in there. Jesse, you said That's it right. so much better than I, than huh. I did. That when you look in the mirror, the high yeah. five principle. The, the, the day, the, the prince, Mel Robbins principle of the high five habit is um, essentially the day that you realize that there's a person on the other side of that mirror that needs you, that doesn't have a body of their own, that needs you to make good decisions for them, that needs you to encourage them, that needs you to love them. Once you realize that that's a person over there, that that's the day your whole life changes. You attach a responsibility to yourself. Yeah. And see, there's a 10-year-old version of you in there. There's a 20-year-old version of you in there. There's a three-year-old version of you in there. There is, there's every milestone version of you in there in all one culmination, which if you've read any of Michael Singer's books, he calls it the voice. Yeah. We all have that inner voice yeah. or that inner roommate that never stops talking. And I think the, to, to get yourself for one out of tilt, you've got to step back and Listen to yeah. what it's saying. So good. Yeah, and get it, it out it, there. And and the Michael and Michael used a really good phrase, you know, really good idea. He said, "I want you to just think about that that internal voice becoming an external person, like another human yeah. in your in your physical world, and they're your roommate. Mm -hmm. And for people that have call it." self-loathing or they have internal issues and they they have things about themselves that they don't like this voice picks that apart yeah 
but you've got to love that voice as much as the person in the mirror and realize, hey, we're all, we're all of us, all of these personalities and these, these ages that I'm, you know, living through the, the reflection in the mirror, we're all attempting to do the very best we can, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I, we I, want to be loved and we want to be accepted and we want to be validated and we want to be significant. And we want, we have these, you know, basic needs that we're all striving for. I, I think of the phrase of learning to listen to my inner coach, not my inner critic, mm-hmm. you know, be, because the truth is Drew, if, if I came to you and I just did something heinous as my coach, you would never talk to me the way that I talk to me. And so, because by the way, you're a paid professional. You're one of the most elite coaches on the planet and you would never talk to me the way that I would talk to me. So maybe I need to figure out, let me listen. By the way, I'm not getting rid of the inner critic. He He's there. I'm just going to strengthen and listen more to the inner coach. Because <laughs> the inner critic is just going to highlight the problem. The inner coach is going to highlight the solution. Let's figure out how do we get out of this? Yeah, the inner critic is going to always be there and 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 th- I mean thankfully cuz they highlight the problem, sure. right? But then he needs to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Could you tell that inside my head, please? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. And sometimes I just say received, message received. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Please please stand for the benediction. Oh, wrong job. Sorry. Wrong <laughs> the benediction. You, you have gotten back into the church world, haven't you, girl? <laughs> uh, um, I, I, you know, I will. I'll also come back to you know, in in a coaching environment internally, um, everything that we do, everything we think about, you know, the rants, the emotions, call it the the tilt side of things. Are you also willing to explore where would that take you if you did? You know, if I did that, whatever you're thinking of doing, I, I should just kill them all, you know? Yeah. Okay. And if you did that, then what? Yeah. 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 You know, if you, if you take, if you go down that route, then what? You know, I'll just quit. Okay. That's an option. Cause that's what Victor Franco really discovered is the option is his freedom of choice yeah. that lives in his internal world. I'm just going to give them a piece of my mind, Drew. I'm just going to give them a piece of my mind. I'm going to tell them how it is. Sure. I just hope you keep enough of it left for yourself. Because <laughs> some people don't have enough of the <laughs> mind to give away a piece. <laughs> you might not need. You might need all of your mind. You may not be able to afford any pieces. 